Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily podcast presented by Betfred Sports. This is the podcast where we talk all things college basketball from now until the end of the final four. The road will end there in Atlanta and today is a very special episode of College Hoops Daily because really the NFL playoffs are in full swing. We just wrapped up the wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs and really this is around the time of year that college basketball really takes center stage. We are not too far away from March Madness, and we just continue to figure out more and more and more about all of these teams. And in today's era of the transfer portal, in today's era of NIL, we are seeing a ton of things this college basketball season that truly we've never seen before in terms of parity, in terms of who is actually good, who's actually bad. What could we expect from these teams on a night in night out basis? And it seems to me just when it seems like you have a team figured out, something crazy happens. And after the game, you're back to asking yourself, who exactly this team really is. And it's crazy because this is from uh, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports. He tweeted out uh, yesterday, this was just an okay slate of games going into the day, right? Solid, but nothing outstanding. Well, per CBS Sports uh, research guru Andy Tuin, today or uh, Saturday marked the first time since January 29th, 2011, that as many as 11 ranked teams lost on the same day. And that is a common theme that we are going to have throughout the show. There are just a ton of teams, ranked teams, that were in action this past weekend that suffered some pretty surprising results. And we're going to hit on as many as we can. But there is one game in particular that you already know we have to address. It's Kentucky going on the road to Tennessee, fresh off losing to South Carolina as an 18-point home favorite in pretty embarrassing fashion. They follow that up and go on the road to Tennessee and win that game 63-56 to as a 10.5-point underdog. And this is a vintage John Calipari win. It's a win straight out of the Calipari playbook, which quite, quite frankly, we haven't seen that in a few years now. And I'll start off by saying this, right? I heard a lot of Kentucky fans say this, and I couldn't agree more when it comes to John Calipari and his future job status with Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky fans want John Calipari to be fired. What they want is the 2010 to 2019 version of Coach Calipari that would lead Kentucky to success and a ton of games like this where Kentucky goes 
uh, into that game coming in, they have zero chance, right? Everyone officially wrote off Kentucky for the dead. People wanted John Calipari fired after that South Carolina game. There was literally a fan that came into Rupp Arena with a sign saying, go to Texas. And he not only had the sign taken away, but he got kicked out. And you also saw in Kentucky's loss last Saturday to Alabama, it was really one of the first times in the John Calipari era where it looked like that team just quit. They went down pretty big, about 15 points, and from there, they just mailed it in, which is something you rarely see from a John Calipari team. And Tennessee, keep in mind, the Vols are one of the best defensive team in the country, and Calipari made an adjustment. He finally played the lineup that a lot of Kentucky fans, really for the majority of this season, has been calling for, especially after these offensive struggles that they've been dealing with. And that lineup, of course, is with Cason Wallace at the point guard position, two shooters on the wings, two transfers, C.J. Frederick, who actually played probably his best game in a Kentucky uniform against Tennessee. He looked really good. Antonio Reeves, another transfer from Illinois State. And then Jacob Toppin and Oscar Shibway in the front court. Because I think one issue Kentucky has had throughout this season, right, has been their spacing on the offensive side of the ball. I like Severe Wheeler, and I think the main takeaway from this game has to be his role going forward needs to be as Kentucky's sixth man. Because when you have three guys out there on the floor that have some trouble shooting the basketball consistently with Wheeler, with Toppin, with Shibway, that's going to mess your spacing up. And really, we're seeing Reeves and Frederick playing together in this lineup, and they made some big shots down the stretch for Kentucky. This was really the first time all season that Kentucky actually showed some mental toughness and some fortitude because just what I, well, what I just said in the Alabama game, it felt like they quit in the Gonzaga game. As soon as that game tipped off, it felt like Kentucky never had a chance. They didn't play well against UCLA. They didn't play well against Missouri. And finally, for the first time all season, Kentucky in a big game came ready to play and they got the job done. Tennessee, I understand they're not the greatest offensive team. And even though they do have a win over Kansas, when you look at their start to the SEC campaign, they beat Ole Miss, Mississippi State, both those teams pretty uh, struggling pretty badly right now. Uh, they beat South Carolina and Vanderbilt, and they lose to Kentucky. We know Rick Barnes' Tennessee teams have had a little bit of trouble scoring the ball at times here and there over the course of the last few seasons. But Kentucky did a really good job taking advantage of that holding Tennessee to only 40% shooting from the field. Kentucky only shot 35% from the field, by the way. But how about this? Kentucky shoots 22 of 25 from the free throw line, including Oscar Shibway going 3 of 4 from the line and Antonio Reeves going 8 of 8 from the line. Even Adu Tyro, he finished uh, 4 of 4, perfect from the free throw line, giving Kentucky 13 solid minutes. And... Calipari really played that primary lineup. Chris Livingston also played 18 minutes in this game. But Shibwe, Toppin, Frederick, Wallace, Reeves, that needs to be Kentucky's lineup going forward. And I totally understand John Calipari has been very, very loyal to Severe Wheeler since he got to the Kentucky program. And he led the SEC in assists per game last year. Severe Wheeler is a really good player. But on this Kentucky team, I think he fits best coming off the bench, and if Kentucky really wants to win and have success going forward, they're going to need Severe Wheeler in that role, and he's a veteran. You hope that he would be okay with that, and he would be okay with contributing off the bench, because right now, 
Kentucky's best lineup is really playing those five guys. And this game, I'm sure Kentucky fans remember this, but uh, in 2017-2018, right, Kentucky in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, they went on the road to West Virginia, a very good West Virginia team coached by Bob Huggins that ended up making it to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament that year. And Kentucky was a double-digit underdog going in. No one thought they had a chance. And if if I remember correctly, Kentucky got off to a really bad start in that game. They were down, I want to say, 10 nothing, at least 10 points, double digits early on. And they were down t- uh, 8 nothing to start this game against Tennessee. And I can't emphasize this enough, right? The mood and just the feeling, and rightfully so, by the way, around the Kentucky program after that South Carolina loss was full-out panic because not only was this Kentucky team bad, but it would it was looking like this was going to be the third straight season that Kentucky basketball would just end the, the year in just abject disappointment. We forget Kentucky was a top-five team ranking-wise in the preseason going into this year, and I didn't have a problem with that considering as bad as the St. Peter's loss was, Kentucky was still a number-two seed in the NCAA tournament last year, they were one of the best teams in college basketball that had a really bad night against St. Peter's, and they clearly weren't playing their best basketball at the right time. And that has continued going into this season, the way they blew the Champions Classic against Michigan State, the way they didn't really show up against Gonzaga, they didn't really show up against Missouri, they didn't play well against UCLA, and we were all just finally waiting for Kentucky to have that breakthrough moment in a big game to give us just some hope, and finally, we got it. And Kentucky now has a real opportunity to take advantage of a fortunate Easy, easier stretch in their schedule. They will host Georgia on Tuesday, and I wanted to give a shout-out to Mike White and his team. They're playing pretty good basketball so far in his first season in Athens. They will then host another team that's playing great, Texas A&M, the Aggies under Buzz Williams. They've won all of a sudden six games in a row after getting off to a pretty cold start this season. Not many teams in the SEC are playing better than the Aggies. They actually blew out the same South Carolina team Kentucky lost to at home. Texas A&M won that game on Saturday, 94-53. to So circle that game on Saturday when the Texas A&M Aggies come to Lexington to take on the Wildcats. And then it all sets up for the SEC Big 12 Challenge two weekends uh, from last Saturday. Kentucky will host Kansas, arguably the Jayhawks, the number one team in the country. That is going to be a game to watch. And Kentucky has a real opportunity to gain some momentum, build some wins for their NCAA tournament resume. Because as crazy as this might sound, guys, Kentucky is on the bubble right now. They need as many quality wins as they could get. Before the Tennessee game, Kentucky's best win all season came against Michigan, a Michigan team that I'll be honest with you guys, they had a nice win over Northwestern yesterday. But I'm not a 1,000% sure that Michigan is an NCAA tournament team right now. And going into that Tennessee game, that was Kentucky's best win all season in London, a game that they easily could have lost, by the way. And Kentucky finally gets that marquee road win. And it's important because this is not the Big 12. This is not even the Big East. The SEC, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's been a little bit underwhelming, at least compared to what I was expecting. There have been some teams early on that were playing really good basketball, like Mississippi State, like Missouri. Uh, And all of a sudden, those teams are not as good as we expected. 
And all of a sudden, LSU is another one that I throw into that category. I know they didn't have major expectations coming into the season, but Matt McMahon and his squad did beat Arkansas at home to open up SEC play. They also had a really nice neutral court win over Wake Forest. They entered SEC play with only one loss in non-conference play, and that came to Jerome Tang and a very good uh, Kansas State Wildcats team, as we already know. So when you look at this Kentucky team now, all of a sudden – They have a little bit of an opportunity to get right, and I think the timing works out well because of the lineup change. If Calipari finally realizes, like, look, okay, Severe Wheeler, he has done a lot for this program over the course of the last two seasons, but right now his role is best coming off the bench with Cason Wallace as your primary ball handler, playing with two shooters and Toppin and Sheboy because that has really been a concern for Kentucky since the start of the season, that they didn't have enough shooting, that they didn't have the proper spacing out there on the floor. And all of a sudden, it looks like they might just have that now. Again, Kentucky will host Kansas in the Big 12 SEC Challenge on January 28th. That's a Saturday. That's going to be a big, big game. Even Arkansas, that's another team in the SEC. We're going to get into them a little bit later on the show. But we know injuries has to do with it, but they, they got off to a really good start and haven't been playing as well lately. And when you look at this Arkansas team, uh, they had a tough loss to Vanderbilt. Kentucky will play them uh, in a few weeks. But, man, just a big-time win for John Calipari and this Kentucky team. Uh, only holding Tennessee to only 56 points is impressive. Sheboy with 15 and 13. That's a vintage Sheboy stat line. Antonio Reeves, Kentucky's leading scorer in the game with 18 points. Four of 10 from the field, eight of eight from the free throw line, and two of six from three, having that shooting out there for Kentucky is just vital. And with Kentucky, one more thing I'll say is hopefully this win gives them confidence going forward and even going into this stretch. Because you saw it after the uh, the LSU win, right? A lot of Kentucky fans were really excited after that game, thinking they were back. And again, LSU, I don't think they're as good as we expected at one point earlier on when SEC conference play first started. And Kentucky did themselves no favors following that loss with a a pretty embarrassing effort on the road at Alabama. I know the Crimson Tide are really good. They have a legit argument for the best team in college basketball right now. But this Kentucky team was not competitive against them. And they follow up that game, losing to South Carolina at home in embarrassing fashion. And then just when you thought Kentucky was dead, Calipari pulls one out of nowhere, a vintage Calipari win. Everyone thought this Kentucky team was dead going into this South Carolina or going into this Tennessee game after the South Carolina game. And all of a sudden they have some life. Kentucky finally gets the big win they needed, but they got to make it matter. They really have a nice three-game stretch here against Georgia, against A&M, and at Vandy to make things right going into that massive Big 12 SEC Challenge game against Kansas. Moving on with today's episode of College Hoops Daily presented by Bet Fred Sports. It's interesting because last week I on the Monday show, I went across the country breaking down just the things that stood out to me in each and every Power 6 league across the sport. And I'll say it again, uh, what I said at the beginning of the show, there were just so many crazy things that happened this past weekend as 11 teams that were ranked lost. And 
there are just a bunch of takeaways I have from all of these games, and we're going to continue the theme of going rapid fire on Monday. I wanted to have a full conversation about the Kentucky game, just considering how big of a win that was for the Wildcats, and we've spoken a lot of Kentucky on this show. But without further ado, I will give you guys some thoughts on the games uh, in the top 25 that stood out to me. First off, the first uh, team ranked in the top 25 that fell this weekend in somewhat surprising fashion, but not really surprising to me. That was number 16, Miami, losing at NC State 83-81. to I'll tell you guys this. I think Kevin Keats' squad is definitely one to keep an eye out on going forward. They have an NBA player in Terquavion Smith, but in this game, it was actually their two big men off the bench in DJ Burns and Ernest Ross. Those two guys combined for 30 points and 18 rebounds. Burns actually had seven assists in the game as well to lead the NC State Wolfpack over Miami. And I think we know Miami's a really good team. They made the Elite Eight last year. Jim Laranega has a bevy of guards that he could use. I was also really impressed with Norchad Omier, the transfer from Arkansas Little Rock. That kid could play for my team any day of the week. But NC State has now won three games in a row. All three of these wins have really been over NCAA tournament teams in Duke, in Virginia Tech, in Miami. Now, actually, Virginia Tech might not actually be a lock NCAA tournament team. The Hokies have lost five games in a row, and their next two games are at Virginia and at Clemson. So a season that once started off really well for the Hokies with a win over North Carolina. They have a win over Penn State. I cannot definitively say, actually, right now, Virginia Tech is going to be an NCAA tournament team. But anyway, shout out to Kevin Keats. Shout out to the Wolfpack. I think he's a better coach than most people realize. And I think NC State is one of the better teams in the ACC right now and a clear-cut NCAA tournament team. Moving on, Indiana. This was a win they needed. Another ranked team here to lose to an unranked team as number 18-ranked Wisconsin, they lose to Indiana 63 to 45. And this was a game the Indiana Hoosiers needed in the absolute worst way because Indiana kind of like some other teams that we were talking about going into the show, they were on a three game losing streak going into this game. Everything kind of turned for the Hoosiers when they went on the road to Iowa and had a big lead. Race Thompson gets hurt. And they lose that game by two points in heartbreaking fashion. Keep in mind, also with this Indiana team, they lost Xavier Johnson for an extended period of time when he got hurt against Kansas. So this Indiana team is not 100% healthy right now. They're really struggling with injuries. And they lost to Iowa. They lost at home to Northwestern. And they lost to Penn State on the road coming into this one. But they responded nicely. They beat Wisconsin at home in pretty uh, relatively easy fashion. They win 63-45. The Hoosiers should be an NCAA tournament team. They're going to need Trace Jackson Davis to really put this team on his back. But this Indiana team has depth, too. You know, I understand Wisconsin, they're not great offensively, and Indiana did a good job shutting them down. But I've always been a huge fan of Jordan Geronimo. He's finally getting an opportunity with these guys hurt, and he made the most of it with 12 points and 11 rebounds on Saturday. This kid could jump out of the building. I've always... Really liked what I've seen from him on the floor over the course of the last few years. But again, he just really hasn't been able to get that consistent opportunity. He might have that now. The next two games for Indiana at Illinois on Thursday and hosting Michigan State at Assembly Hall on Sunday. I can't wait to watch those two games. A massive upcoming two-game stretch 
for the Hoosiers, but they started off nicely. They needed that win over Wisconsin. Trace Jackson Davis finishes with 18 points, 12 rebounds, and five blocks. Another team that needs to be spoken about more, and these this was a game between uh, two ranked teams in the Big 12, number 11, Kansas State. They lose for only the second time this season, going down to TCU, 82-68. to And I'll start off by saying this. We spoke a lot about Kansas State on Wednesday uh, with Jamin Christian when he came on the show. We're really looking forward to having Coach on the show uh, as the season goes on. And we were talking about just how Kansas State is this good right away in year one of the Jerome Tang era when really they were struggling in many different aspects uh, going into the season and not many people expected much considering Bruce Weber, he, uh, the last few years under his watch, this Kansas State team wasn't particularly great, but they lost only the second time this season to TCU. And TCU, I think, is one of the 10 best teams in college basketball, and this team has legitimate Final Four potential. Mike Miles might be the best overall player in college basketball. Keep in mind, this TCU team made the NCAA tournament last year. They blew out Seton Hall in round one, an 8-9 game. That game was not particularly close. And then they play Arizona, you know, number one seeded Arizona that has a few NBA players on their squad right now, uh, that had NBA players on their squad with Matherin, with uh, Dalen Terry, with Christian Coloco. Yeah, TCU really should have won that game. Ben, uh, There was a controversial call. Ben Matherin hit a crazy three to tie the game. And TCU brings everyone back. They had some injuries and, and a suspension to deal with early on in the season with uh, Mike Miles a little banged up and Damian Ball. He missed the first few games of the season. And right now they are sitting at 14-3. and three. They have only lost twice in Big 12 play, home to Iowa State and at Texas. And they already have Big 12 road wins at Baylor. Uh, they have a Big 12 road win at Baylor, which is really impressive. And then their next two games, how about this? At West Virginia, who's struggling, but they need a game in the worst way. That's a game to circle Wednesday night, by the way. TCU at West Virginia. And then they will go to Kansas on Saturday. We know the Jayhawks probably the best team in college basketball right now. They at least have a legit argument to say that. And TCU has the upside of being just a really good team, definitely a Final Four team, and maybe even a sneaky national championship contender with Miles, Ball, Eddie Lampkin, O'Bannon. He makes some big shots. This TCU team is very impressive. It really reminds you of the Jamie Dixon teams when he had all of his success at Pittsburgh. And man, this Horn Frog team, watch out. Another ranked team that lost on Saturday, number 19, Providence. They lose on the road to Creighton, and it's crazy because the Blue Jays are now 10-8, and 8, but they have some really good wins. They have a win over Providence. They have a win over Seton Hall, who's playing much better. They have a win over Arkansas. They have a win over Texas Tech, who uh, they're really struggling. That win from the Maui Invitational hasn't really aged well. But look, Creighton hit that rough spot, losing five games in a row uh, from uh, late or early December on. And as bad as that losing streak was, there were some factors that at least made it make a little bit of sense with Ryan Kalkbrunner's injury, considering they lost at Texas, considering they lost to Arizona in the Maui Invitational when they were playing their best basketball, considering they lose to a pretty good Arizona State team that could make the NCAA tournament in Las Vegas, and they lost on the road to Marquette, who has clearly established themselves as not only one of the best teams in the Big East, but one of the better teams in the country. I love watching Shaka Smart and his team play. But Creighton, I think, is a little bit 
underrated right now. I understand they're 10 and eight. That's not anything special, but the Blue Jays, I still think have the ceiling to compete with the top teams in the sport. They've been really good at home and they will go on the road to Butler on Tuesday before hosting St. John's and Xavier in their next two games. I still believe in Greg McDermott. I still believe in this Creighton squad. And that was a big win. Providence is a really good team. They were shorthanded in this game, missing Jared Bynum, missing the freshman. Uh, Pierre didn't play much in this game. There, there were some injuries. And Creighton took advantage of that. 20 points for Trey Alexander, 21 points for Kalkbrunner, 19 points for Shireman. Those three guys combining for 60 of Creighton's 73 points, Shireman, Alexander, and Kalkbrunner. Really impressive stuff there. Uh, Arkansas, they lose to Vanderbilt, 97 to 84. Another ranked team losing to an unranked team. And when you look at the Hogs, it's very unfortunate because we know at least partially what is contributing to their struggles, right? Nick Smith isn't healthy. Trevon Brazil isn't healthy. Brazil's going to be out for the season with a torn ACL, unfortunately. And Smith, he is uh, trying to manage that knee injury. And it is not 100% sure that he's going to be back. He has to be feeling good and ready to play. And you totally understand why he might have some questions about going out there back on the floor with his draft stock in mind. And it's super unfortunate for Arkansas because I understand Eric Musselman really tried to build this team with more depth this year compared to others, especially in the front court. And I think that's helped them out. But I think there's a little bit too much pressure on Ricky Council right now to score the basketball. I love Devo Davis, but he's better as a role player doing all the little things opposed to being one of the main guys you rely on to score the basketball. Anthony Black, very good passer, great court vision. But when there's not great shooters around him and this Arkansas team is not particularly the best shooting team, that's re- that doesn't really do much for you. Like his strengths are going to be negated a little bit when there aren't great shooters around him on the floor because he's such a great passer with great vision. And when you look at this Arkansas team, they've now lost three games in a row at Auburn, home to Alabama, and now at Vanderbilt. And Arkansas lost, or the game before that they won against Missouri, like they were pretty fortunate to win that game considering Missouri got off to a really good start. And then you look at the Hogs, their next game is at Missouri, which is not going to be an easy game at all considering the Tigers they need that game as well and they haven't been playing great lately they've lost two games in a row and that's going to be kind of a loser leaves town kind of game Missouri has lost two in a row three of their last four Arkansas has lost three in a row and the loser of that game in the SEC they're not going to be feeling great about themselves so Arkansas losing on the road to Vandy not ideal and I just think they need to get healthy I know it's easier said than done but there's just a little bit too much pressure on Ricky Council. Jordan Walsh got benched. Things are not looking great for this Arkansas team right now. We mentioned Missouri. They lost their second game of this uh, in a row on Saturday at Florida. Pretty good, big win for Todd Golden squad. They have now won three games in a row, have the Gators winning at LSU, winning against Missouri at home. And they will go on the road Wednesday to take on the Texas A&M Aggies. That should be a very good game. When you look at Texas A&M, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Kentucky, but I don't know if there's a better team in the uh, there's I don't know if there's a team playing better basketball in the SEC right now than the Texas A&M Aggies. Iowa State, they lose to Kansas 62-60, just a phenomenal game in Allen Fieldhouse. The Cyclones ranked 14, Kansas ranked number 2, and I just continue to be more and more impressed with TJ Otzelberger 
and his squad, because this Iowa State team made the NCAA tournament last year, right? Out of complete nowhere. When two years ago, the final season under Steve Frome in 2021, they didn't win a single game in Big 12 conference play. Think about how crazy that is. Like, they literally won two games all year, didn't win a game in Big 12 conference play, and they made the NCAA tournament last year, and they made the Sweet 16. Like, not only did they make the NCAA tournament, but they won two games in the Sweet 16. And the thing was, like, as great as, as that run was, a lot of the resume that Iowa State built up was their non-conference schedule and how good they looked early, but they weren't able to match that in Big 12 play. And when speaking for them, like, they didn't even have to match it. They did enough in their non-conference play to get into the NCAA tournament. Like, seven Big 12 wins last year in conference was always going to be good enough for the Cyclones. But what makes this team so impressive to me is, yeah, they had some good moments in Portland, right? They beat North Carolina. They beat a Villanova team that is nowhere as good as we expected them to be. But they were non-competitive in the championship game of that tournament against UConn, who at the time, like, that's not a huge deal. They were playing great basketball. But Iowa State also loses in, like, disaster form. They lose that uh, rivalry game to Iowa without uh, Chris Murray. So... The Cyclones are entering Big 12 conference play with some question marks considering their non-conference slate was not as good as it was last year, and they just lost by a lot to a shorthanded rival, which is never a good feeling. But then they start off Big 12 play by demolishing Baylor. That game was was never really close. They win that game by 15 points. They then win back-to-back road games at Oklahoma and at TCU. We just spoke about TCU. They're one of the better teams in the country. And we have all been watching college basketball long enough to know that it is really hard to win on the road in conference play. And the fact that Iowa State did that two games in a row at Oklahoma, at TCU, that is not easy to do. Very impressive. And they beat Texas Tech by 34 on Tuesday night. That game was never close. And they were right there with Kansas at the end. They lose that game 62-60. to The Jayhawks, again, have a legitimate argument for the best team in college basketball right now, and they just find ways to win, especially at Allen Fieldhouse. The impact that K.J. Adams has made for this Kansas team is immense. A 6'7 forward playing center, and he's good at it. Like His impact is legit. So is Grady Dick. He leads Kansas with 21 points in this game. Very impressed by the Jayhawks and really impressed by the Cyclones like T.J. Otzelberger and his squad continue to do a great job. How about this one, right? We've been talking a lot about Kentucky and their struggles, but how about the Duke Blue Devils? They have now lost three games, all three of them, or no, they've won one uh, road ACC game. I'm sorry. So Duke has played four road games in the ACC so far this season. They've lost three of them. The only one they've been able to win was at Boston College, and that was barely a win. They won that game by only one point. And when you look at this Duke Blue Devils team, they don't really have an identity right now. They have so many talented players that I get it. It's sometimes hard to establish who's going to be that guy, but it's already mid-January. And really for the be- from the beginning of the season, like Kyle Filipowski has been Duke's best player. I don't think they're really prioritizing playing through him. Uh, Filipowski played well in this game, had 18 and 14. Tyrese Proctor with 17 points as well. But every time I watch this Duke team, I'm a little underwhelmed. And I wanted to give a shout out to Clemson as well. The Tigers, a team that I was not particularly high on going into the season. They have now won seven games in a row. 
in a uh, in ACC conference play. Uh, six of those wins coming, and so they did beat Richmond to close out the non-con schedule, and they've won five in a row to start off, or six in a row, excuse me, to start off ACC play. Wins over Georgia Tech, NC State, Virginia Tech, Pitt, Louisville, and Duke. Uh, and a few of those games have come on the road at Virginia Tech and at Pittsburgh. Brad Brownell's done a really good job with this team. I historically have been a little critical in the past, uh, but at the end of the day, he has made the NCAA tournament a few times. And Clemson was in a little bit of a similar position going into the 2017-2018 season. People wanted Brownell fired. Not a lot of people thought he was the right guy for the job. And all of a sudden, Clemson gets off to a great start. They win their uh, preseason or MTE uh, before not before conference play starts at the Charleston Invitational, and they end up going all the way to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Uh, is this team on that same trajectory? It, it sure looks like they might be because with P.J. Hall and Hunter Tyson, one, probably the best shooting front court in the country right there. Both guys over 6'8", 6'9". They could shoot the ball. They have a really good guard in uh, Chase Hunter. Galloway, Hemingway, they could shoot the ball. Shifflin's a hardworking big man. I like this Clemson team, and I think they should be getting a little bit more attention in the ACC based on what they've done. But if you're Duke, man, I think you have to start thinking, like, where do we go from here? How just, what what is Duke going to be seated in the NCAA tournament on Selection Sunday? Because the ACC, like the conference, is solid, but there aren't as many opportunities for quality wins as you would expect. Duke does still have two games left against Miami. They do have two games left against North Carolina. They'll get two cracks at Virginia Tech. They have another game left against NC State. They have another game left against Virginia. They have another game left against Wake Forest. So Duke is going to have some opportunities, but losing these conference road games when I just really don't know like what your identity is as a team, that's not ideal for a team that I understand it's John Shire's first year, but they had some major, major expectations going into the season and just not ideal for Duke. Another team that started off the season hot but has not been playing great lately is Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona Wildcats, who lost in blowout fashion in Eugene to a struggling Oregon Ducks team, 87-68. to And Jermaine Cousinard leads the way for Oregon, scoring 27 points. Also a great effort by Enfali Dante with 22. And this Arizona team, they are not playing as close uh, to what we saw and what we expected early on and in leading into the season. Per Creasa was really improved, at least I thought, in that early portion of the year. He played great in Maui, but recently we're seeing a little bit of the same Kirk Creasa that was Arizona's kryptonite last year, which was really the reason why I couldn't go all in with Arizona last year. He shoots 2 of 10 from the floor in this game, 2 of 9 from 3, and has 3 turnovers. That's just not good enough from your point guard. Courtney Ramey also struggled in this game. He shoots four of 12, and I'm a big Tommy Lloyd fan. I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to offensive basketball, and we literally saw this Arizona team play with their hair on fire early in the season, and I understand conference play is hard, but this Pac-12 is not as good as we're used to seeing it, and Arizona, how about this? Their next two games, home against USC, home against UCLA. I think they win both of those games, but as time goes on, like if Arizona loses that game at home to UCLA on Saturday, then UCLA has really the upper hand in terms of the race to getting a possible number one seed in the West region during the NCAA tournament. 
Gonzaga is usually in that conversation as well, and they still might be, but they've really had the upper hand with that over the course of the last few years, getting number one seeds in the NCAA tournament like it's nothing. But at the end of the day, like Arizona needs these two games. And if they lose, especially the UCLA one, it's not going to be ideal. And I'm just trying to figure out what happened to Tommy Lloyd and this team that was playing so well early on. I understand Oregon did not look good against Arizona State on Thursday and got blown out in that game. It was never particularly close. And they were going to, they were always going to respond with a big effort. But it's clear that Arizona right now is not the same team we saw early on in the season. And they have a lot of things to figure out. Two games in the Big East before we get out of here, I wanted to hit on as well. St. John's, they go on the road to UConn and win 85 to 74. I think UConn is a team that I would put right in that same category with uh, Arizona in terms of just a team that was playing their best basketball early on in the season. And we've seen this so many times in college basketball, right? We saw it last year with Kentucky. Sometimes teams just peak too early. And when you look at this uh, UConn team, they peaked really early in Portland for the PK-85. Even during Big East play, like they didn't play great in the Georgetown game against Villanova, and they were fortunate to win those games. But there was a stretch in that Georgetown game where UConn went on a run to retake the lead, where I was just sitting there saying to myself, like, there is no other team in the country that would be capable of going on a run like this and just flipping a switch this quickly. And this UConn team hasn't been able to do that the last few weeks. St. John's is a team that has really struggled going into this game. Their whole fan base is not really thrilled with Mike Anderson right now. They had NCAA tournament aspirations going into the season, but have not lived up to them. And it's now like this is probably Mike Anderson's biggest win in his tenure as St. John's head coach. And the Johnny's next two games, how about this? Hosting Villanova and at Creighton. St. John's needs to go minimum one and one in that stretch because they are still not really close to an NCAA tournament team even after the win over UConn. But if they could beat, first of all, they should beat Villanova, right? That's a game they should win, especially at home. Villanova has really been struggling. Uh, They do play Georgetown on Monday afternoon. However, they just lost to Butler and DePaul back-to-back on the road. They also lost to Xavier at home. So Villanova's lost three games in a row. Neither of these teams are NCAA tournament teams right now, but this is a game St. John's just absolutely needs to win. They will then go on the road to Creighton uh, following that one. So St. John's has a real opportunity, and Mike Anderson, if he really wants to be the coach of this program going forward definitively, uh, that Villanova game is going to be one he needs to win. And UConn, Things aren't really going to get easier for them either. They'll go on the road to Seton Hall in their next game. The Pirates under Shaheen Holloway playing significantly better than they did early on in the season. They have won uh, three games in a row, including a road win at DePaul on Saturday. They also beat Georgetown. They also beat Butler. Like, I understand those wins aren't great. Seton Hall is not close to an NCAA tournament team right now. But winning those three games is a step forward considering they were struggling to play consistently good basketball for long periods of times early on in the season. And their next two games are both at home against UConn and Marquette. So massive opportunity for Seton Hall. And then finally, you just got to give a shout out to Sean Miller and Xavier. They beat Marquette 80 to 76. And right now there isn't a team in the Big East playing better basketball than the Xavier Musketeers. And right now they are the best team in the Big East because Sean Miller took a roster, not the whole roster, but the majority of these of these pieces for Xavier 
were here last season under Travis Steele. And I saw Xavier play in person last year uh, at the NIT tip-off event at the Barclays Center, and they lost to Iowa State. They barely beat Virginia Tech. But I just remember saying to myself, like after that tournament, they have so much talent. From Kobe Jones to Adam Kunkel to Jack Nunji to Zach Fremantle to Kiki Tandy. Like there are just so many talented pieces for the Xavier team, but they could just never figure it out last year. In inexplicable, inexplicable fashion, they missed the NCAA tournament and Travis Steele had to go. Xavier has been a school that has consistently made the NCAA tournament. They did it under Sean Miller. They did it under Thad Mata. They did it under Chris Mack. And it just stopped under Travis Steele. They went three straight NCAA tournaments, and that's not even if you include the COVID year, without making it, which is unacceptable for a team that expects to win. And Sean Miller, he does something that we've spoken about a lot on this show in terms of how important this is when you're becoming a first-year coach of a Power 6 program. Most of the time, the reason why your predecessor got let go was because he underachieved with talent that a good coach should be able to win with. And that is exactly the case here with Sean Miller and Xavier. He's also added guys like Sule Boom, who finished with 16 points in this game, and freshman Desmond Claude. I'm a big fan of his as well. Uh, Sean Miller has done a great job with the Xavier team. We always knew it, it was talented, but all it really needed was a good quality head coach that's exactly what they have here and they beat a really good Marquette team that I'm a fan of they were fresh off the victory over UConn on Wednesday Marquette has really established one of the better home court advantages in all of college basketball and this Golden Eagle team can play with anyone I'm a huge fan of Shaka Smart and everything that he's done the Golden Eagles are 100% worthy of being ranked in the top 25 and they will be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. But guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, 11 ranked teams go down in college basketball this weekend. It was a lot of fun talking about it with you guys. We, You know we had to talk about Kentucky as well, especially coming off that monster win, the vintage Calipari win over Tennessee. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode of College Hoops Daily. I'll talk to you guys then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.